The Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 4, How Being True to Yourself Helps Your Life and Helps Your Business. Five, six, seven, eight. everyone and welcome to the Dancepreneuring Studio. I am Annette Bone and this is the place where dance inspires life and business. We will be bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance and they will be sharing their stories, ideas, strategies and tactics to move your life and business forward. Thank you so much for joining me. What's up? This is Chad Moreau. Founder of LiveToDJ.com, artistic director of Breed Dance Company, and you're listening to the Dancepreneuring Studio. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. This week's Step to Success is a project management system called Basecamp. You can go to Basecamp.com and sign up for a free two-month trial. I use it for my clients. I also use it for my own personal projects, as well as projects for my son's homeschool activities. Go ahead to Basecamp.com and check it out. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The dancer's dialect is the dancer's language. I'm going to share dance terminology across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. The word for today in the dancer's dialect is développé. Développé is a technical term in ballet, but it's also used in jazz and contemporary dance. It's very deliberate, it's smooth, and depending on the height of your leg, it takes a lot of strength and control. Now in business, you can start with an idea And if you are being intentional and deliberate, it will unfold and develop as you grow in the areas that you need to. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Welcome to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. And as we've mentioned before, we're going to have different guests come on and talk to you about how dance and business are related to life. And I think you're really going to love my guest today. His name is Chad Moreau, and I call him a Renaissance artist. He's a dancer, he's a choreographer, he's a teacher, he's a DJ, he's a musician, he does production, and he's just an all around great guy, professionally and personally. And I want to give you some of his credits because he he really has some amazing experiences he's been through. He is currently the artistic director for Breed, which is a professional dance exhibition company. And he has also been on Team Millennia, which if you're familiar with America's Best Dance Crew on MTV, it's it's a pretty big deal. So he was on that team. He has also danced with Raven Simone and Jessica Simpson. And currently he is also on the staff of the commercial dance department at the Orange County School of the Arts, which is a very prestigious school in Southern California. And this department 
department is the only one of its kind in the country. And Chad also teaches master classes all over Southern California. He also has his own all-male professional dance exhibition company called Nobility Mob. And his site, LiveToDJ.com, will give you a taste what else he can do in terms of music and DJ production. Let's just get right to it, Chad. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> me too. I've been, you know, I've been looking forward to this for so long and mm. we've had some really great conversations about dance and business and life and just lessons and just a lot of things that we've talked about. I felt like, gosh, people need to hear this. So yeah. I'm so glad that you're able to join me. We talked about your background here and all mm. these different things that you do. They are interrelated to each other. What do you think is the importance of diversifying? Whether you're a dancer or an entrepreneur or a teacher, what would you want to say about that? I think first of all, first thing that why I did so much was maybe like an attention span thing. So it kind of <laughs> maybe it started with dance and dance performance and musicality and listening to songs and trying to create different movement like like every other dancer does. But then, okay, well, how do they make that music that makes me want to dance? You know, when I first started dancing, I was Michael Jackson fan, of course. But then I learned that Michael did popping. And like, okay, what's popping? You know, and then I, I went back and, and looked at break dancing and, and popping and locking. And I go, okay, well, I want to know what Michael knows. So going into that, it's like, okay, well, oh, hip hop. Okay, that's hip hop. That's That comes from this, that, the other. And I'm like, oh, and then I got really into the hip hop old school cult. So when I got into that, I mean, there was the Dr. Dre West Coast gangster rap stuff was popular when I was a kid, but I was really into like early, early beginning stuff. I used to watch the movie Wild Style, which was like, it's just a documentary kind of based around a story that showed hip hop in the Bronx. I'm like, okay, then they're DJing and they're cutting up a record and they're spinning on their back. You know, what is that? Hip hop culture is cool. So hence, while I got into DJing, I wanted to scratch, you know, and I wanted to be the breaker in the circle, dancing to the break beats. And I wanted to rap. I connected with that really fast because, you know, I didn't know how to play an instrument. I wanted to create something that had me creating something. So if I'm listening to Run DMC and it makes me want to like pop or like spin on my head and practice for hours, well, can I rap? Can I rhyme? Can I do Jam Master J and cut up a record and rock a crowd? And I just said, well, yeah. And, you know, I, I got into DJing and I got my first set of turntables from a pawn shop. And uh, yeah, my parents bought me <laughs> some turntables. I'd have them take me to um, this pawn shop at the city over. And I'd be like, oh, that's what I want. That's what, what I want to do. And they kind of didn't know. You know, they saw me breaking in the garage and took my mom's old turntable out and I would play all her disco records and like try to scratch them. And yeah, and I'm like, this is what they did. You know, they took these songs and they took these tracks and they looped them. But I only had one turntable. I'm like, well, how do you do it? You know, and um, I got turntables for Christmas. And one of my friends, he's like, oh, you have turntables. My uncle left his records at my house and he brought them over to my house. And I had all these classic hip hop singles and albums. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I got to be in my room and crossfade over these tracks that, you know, I listen to on the radio, like old school shows, you know, oh, this is cool. And I kind of learned how to scratch. And, you know, I still kept up with the music, too, at the time. And just the hip hop culture kind of really sucked me in because there's always a beat. There was always something to dance to. And with that, it was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And then when I got into high school, they had a dance program. And I said, well, I like to dance. Should I take it? You know, I need to take two elect. And um, I go, well, I'll take art because I can. I like to paint and draw. And I'll take dance. I like to break and pop. And, you know, who knows? So when I signed up for my elective class, a lot of my friends were like, you know, you have to wear tights, right? And they did the whole thing. <laughs> and I said, you know what? So let it be it. I said, I just kind of 
wanted to try it because in high school is where you kind of, I guess, you find yourself, mm -hmm. I guess. When I got into the dance program, I learned how to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I learned how to use a mirror. I learned how to stretch. I learned how to move my body. And hence the whole like, dang, okay, dancing goes a lot further than moonwalking or like holding a baby freeze. Yeah, I learned mm -hmm. some technique and my, uh, my teacher in high school was like, oh man, you know, Chad, would you, we have student choreography. Would you want to choreograph some stuff? And I go, yeah. And, you know, my first time choreographing wasn't, I'm sure wasn't amazing. I would like to find that video if I could, but, <laughs> you know, but I enjoyed that. I was like, man, I can create this and that and the other. And I kind of branched out of the old school hip hop and started listening to more pop music. You know, a lot of the pop music was coming back to the Spice Girls, the NSYNCs, the Backstreet Boys. Britney Spears blew up in 2000, 1999, 2000. And she was having these videos with tons of dancers. And I go, that's cool too. How do I replicate that? Or So in high school, the pop music got me. I got really into pop music. I still stayed up on hip hop, current hip hop, old school hip hop, and I still practiced breaking and um, popping and stuff, but it got me more into choreography. And then I would say probably my senior year is when I realized I took dance extremely serious. I signed up every year since a freshman. For, I had to have elected. I actually took U.S. government in the summer. I was supposed to take it the next year, but I took it in the summer to get out of the way so I can have dance because I had to have like language too. So I had three electives and I was like, I have to have dance, mom, you know? And so she's like, all right, well, let's do this. And senior year is when I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to try to take it further. And I went to take other classes outside of school. I would come to LA. Wade Robson was like the thing. He was doing the NSYNC stuff, Britney stuff. And it was like, if you love dancing and you love the choreography, he's the man. He was like the superhero to people that wanted to dance or choreograph. Because I obviously didn't sing and I didn't play an instrument. And yeah, I DJed, but that didn't put you in the forefront of anything. So I figured, well, I can entertain by being a backup dancer or a choreographer. Out of high school, I uh, met this guy, his name's Courtney Miller. He uh, was a choreographer with Michael Jackson and danced with Michael Jackson. And he did a lot of other things. And he lived in my area in the Inland Empire. He lived in Ontario, okay. I was in Chino. I got back into Michael Jackson my senior year because he put out the Invincible album. As I got into choreography, I went back to Michael and I studied his moves. I choreographed a Michael piece. Every song I did or any mix I did had to have Michael Jackson in it. You know, I can't tell you how many fedoras I went through. You know? <laughs> no, seriously. Like I had fedoras I'd lose or they'd rip or I, I connected everything. I loved Michael as a kid. Why? I love the way he danced. I loved his music. Why? Well, he danced like this from his, his history is this. Oh, cool. Let me look at that. I love that. I love this. And then I love choreography. I love music. And then it came back to Michael again. So I graduate, I take Courtney's classes. He used to teach at a, a small studio out in Ontario. My mom or my dad saw a newspaper article and it was a picture of him and Michael Jackson. And I was like, oh, you know, Courtney Miller teaches master class. And I said, I'm going. It's right around the corner. You know, I don't have to drive to LA. Take his class. Obviously at, at the time, dance was not that big. And I stood out because there was nobody there. There was maybe 10 of us. And I'm like, what? Okay, well, I'm gonna kill this class. And he's like, hey, you know, you dance. I said, uh, yeah, I really would like to maybe do professional stuff. And he's like, oh, really? What's your background? So I said this, that, the other. He's like, put a tape together for me. You know, show me what you've done. All the stuff I did in high school, I filmed. And I physically took the tape decks, put them together, like the, the VCRs, recorded the video camera tape to the VCR onto a tape. Like, I don't remember how I did it, but I made this compilation. 
and I and I gave it to him. Hit me. He hit me up the next day and was like, "So you choreographed all this? You did all this?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Okay, well, let's have a meeting. Come to class again." And he had more regular classes. And he's like, "Let me ask you this: Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you have headshots?" I'm like, "I don't know anything. I know nothing." I said, "Okay, you got to get headshots." Cool. He's like, "Well, I'm doing this thing for MTV." Um, I need an assistant. Would you want to assist me? I'm like, MTV? And at the time, MTV was important. It was a really important thing in in culture back then. I don't know if it really is now. but And there was a show called Becoming. And it was like these people, if they wanted to be an artist, they would dress them up like that. And they'd shoot the video to replicate the actual video. And they'd be that artist. And he got hired to, to work at this video. And he asked me to assist. And I went. And it wasn't like crazy choreography or anything. But... It was just movement. First time I was on a set, first time I was in a rehearsal studio, first time working with some production. And I'm barely 18. Like I just turned 18. And I go, okay. I was nervous. I felt like maybe this is not what I should be doing. All those feelings, you're like, you're just intimidated. I'm from our east of LA and coming out of high school where you're the man. And then you go do this and it's like, oh, you're a choreographer? Cool. Or, oh, you're an assistant? Okay, whatever. Did that. Loved it. I was like, you know, I want to keep doing this. I um, stayed really good friends with Courtney and he trained me and he told me take class and I would take class and I enrolled in the junior college to take Afro-Caribbean jazz, ballet, bar, entourage or uh, ensemble. And I would train with him and then do college stuff in, in Orange County at Fullerton. He said, uh, hey, I'm doing this. Uh, I'm working with Raven Simone. I used to teach her when she was a kid, when she was um, still on Cosby show. And she actually had an album that came out and Missy Elliott produced it a long time ago. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. He's like, well, I'm still good friends with the family. She's making this big comeback to Disney Channel. And this is when D- Disney Channel reformatted everything. And it wasn't just a Mickey Mouse Club and Mickey Mouse cartoon. And I'm like, OK, yeah. And he's like, I'm having an audition at Millennium. Come out, you know, audition, you know, just to see how it is. First real audition ever. I go and I make it all the way to the end. And so there's like maybe 10 people. And it's funny because I'm like, oh, well, maybe Courtney will just book me because he knows me and I'm all the way to the end. And I guess I killed it. And keep this in mind. I remember going to that audition and seeing a lot of these people that I saw on videos and touring. And I'm like, oh, that guy looks familiar. There was the final like 10 or 12. You had Robert Hoffman. You had Harry Shum. All those guys that are superstars now in the like the last call of these dancers and i'm like well i know these guys are good they work i got cut but i was like man i loved it you know i didn't care if i got cut i'm just glad that i did it and i did a good job and of course i'm not going to book it with all these guys i still stayed close with courtney he ended up working with her a lot doing music videos and the industry a lot of people think that oh there's big production there's months in advance where they prep it really isn't it's like Hey, we're doing this concept. We need to do this video for Disney. They want something by next week. We're thinking this. That's cool. Let's expand on it. Call up a choreographer. Call up a director. Call up a cinematographer. And it all comes together real fast. And my first two big jobs was with Raven Simone. I got to dance on um, That's So Raven. And then I got to do two of her music videos. When That's So Raven dropped, it blew up. It was like the number one show on Disney Channel. I got to do a musical episode with Courtney. And the director was Debbie Allen. So Courtney's like, oh, yeah, the director's Debbie Allen, you know. And I'm like, Debbie Allen, like, fame? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And the reason I got booked was because of Courtney. He's like, Chad's young. They're in a high school or a junior high, whatever it was. Debbie wanted to hire all her own people. 
And he's like, oh, Courtney, so you know this kid. Okay, yeah, he, he'll work. Like, if, if you if you trust him, and then, yeah. And my agent actually got an agent through Courtney, too, just walked me in. And they're like, yeah, we'll sign him if you... Because of, because of Courtney Miller, I would not be here straight up. Did that gig, did more videos with her, worked with her a handful of times. It was a cool experience. It was cool to actually be friends with a celebrity that, you know, you watched as a kid and dance with them. And them actually thanking you for your talent. Like, oh, you're so good, man. Thanks for always being here. Thanks for killing it, you know? And that's a crazy feeling. And then you realize, hey, they're just normal people. And at the time, I mean, I talk about That's a Raven and Raven Simone now and compared to all the new dance stuff and celebrities. Back then, dance wasn't as popular. Not everybody was booking dancers. There was no YouTube. There was no So You Think. There was no... They still had Soul Train and people were still trying to be Soul Train dancers. Wow, I did not know that. It was like... No, it was like the late late soul train mm-hmm. i don't even know if it's still on but everyone was fighting for jobs the only big jobs they had were like britney spears justin timberlake just came out with the um justified album missy elliott was hot but you know and it was like but that was it you know here and there did those did that boom 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 what happened was courtney worked with her did these videos i did these then i cut and then everything died down went back to college to not back to college but went back to school take class again Got involved there. Meanwhile, I'm doing these um, these gigs. I'm still choreographing at the college. So I would go to my uh, ensemble class, choreograph pieces to display in the college showcase, and still go to rehearsal or do these jobs. And at the time, the college people or my college student friends were like, what, you're doing these gigs and you're still here? I'm like, it's not what you think. You're not a, like, <laughs> I'm small fries compared to those people. But I still love to do it. So choreographed, got taken under uh, my uh, teacher's wing. Her name was Erin Landry. She actually teaches at Cypress College now. And um, I trained with her. She really helped me develop my choreography and helped me work with other people and setting choreography on other people and embracing the way that I thought of things. And my musicality wasn't the same or was different. That's okay. I developed through that. Courtney... He was working on his stuff and I felt like, you know, maybe I should try to do things on my own. I can't always depend on one person. So I took class again, went to L.A. I used to take the Friday master classes at the Dome. It wasn't always Wade anymore because, you know, Wade was doing other things or kind of gets faded out. You know, learned about the new choreographers, went to the Edge, went to Debbie Reynolds, you know, so on and so forth. Still had an agent. I went on tons of auditions, never booked anything. Coming off this high of like just getting asked to do these gigs and then auditioning and people not even looking at you. They'll be like, before they even teach the eight count, they'll just, you're done, you're out. And I'm like, well, I have a resume, you know, like I've done some stuff. And it's like, it doesn't matter. You're not what we're looking for. Then I realized, okay, this is, this is what everyone's talking about. It's not easy. So had a bad experience with that. Got told, well, you're too husky because I have a big frame, you know, like anybody listening out there. I'm kind of like (laughs) kind of like built like football player because I did play football in high school Mm -hmm. and I lost weight. You know, I learned how to lose weight real fast at a young age, which it's kind of dumb. But in that industry, it's what you have to do. Talk to the people you don't want to talk to. And people weren't as accessible back then because there was no social media. It was email and phone call. Like You had to call someone. And you know, at when you're 19, 18, 19, you got to call a choreographer or someone that might have a position for you. It's nerve wracking. You're like, uh, hello, or getting a voicemail, like, and getting a, a number, a call from a number you don't know and you have to answer. It's so funny. I'm so dating myself. But 
But, you know, did that, had a bad experience. There was one experience that really shut things down for me. And I'm going to, I'll go through it briefly because I'm sure there's more to talk about. A lot of people can relate to this. My agents called me. They said, go to this audition. It's for a hair, a hair show. Anybody knows a hair show or a fashion show? They dress you up. They do your hair all crazy. And then you do some piece. You do some choreography or whatever thing they have. Went to this audition at the Millennium. They rented out the small studio. It was only my agency's clients. I'm waiting in line. I'm leaning against the wall. And they're like checking people in. And there's probably maybe 25 of us. That's not a lot. Well, there's my odds. Like my like my odds go up. I kill it. They'll hire me. But it was a long, it was a full day kind of thing. They'll teach you two pieces. Then you do a partner piece for fun. And then they vibe off you. And then they hire you, whatever. Went in, stood there. A guy next to me, tall, good looking, black dude, bald head. He's kind of standing there fidgeting, has his head shot, and he's kind of like looking around. And I'm like, what's up, man? And I always was courteous and nice to people. I said, what's up? He's like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, you you dancer? I'm like, yeah, I'm a dancer. I was like, oh, man, okay. So what do you do when you get in here? I go, what do you mean? He's like, they're going to teach us some eight counts. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, eight counts. What's an eight count? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no. He says, what is an eight count? I keep hearing that. I said, oh, well, what? why are you here then? He's like, well, the agency sent me. They said they're looking for models and dancers, so I'm here. I'm like, but you don't know how to dance? He's like, no. Okay. I explained it to him. This is what this is. And I even showed him, like, okay, if I point this way too. And I even, like, am showing him basic movement in the hallway. He's like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, this guy's going to crash and burn. Go in, do the whole audition process. Long story short, they had hired, like, 15 people and there was what maybe eight or 10 of us left that didn't get cut me being one of them the model didn't know what a count was got booked they liked the way he looked they liked the way he was smiling at them keep in mind i danced circles around a lot of these people but i got cut and i'm telling myself i got cut from a hair show to people that have no dance experience i walked out of um the millennium and i and i go this this is wrong I need to find something else for myself because if this is what the industry is, and I knew that, but never experienced it till then, I need to find something that's going to make me happy. And I can still stay involved with this industry. Next phase of my life, I auditioned for Team Millennia. Team Millennia was based out of Cal State Fullerton. I auditioned two years beforehand, but I didn't go to the the final audition. I had something I was doing. And um, I go, I need friends that are straight dancers and I need to be in par- a part of a group where we just dance and it's fun and they appreciate your talent and your originality. I can't be learning from these experiences. There's no positive I'm getting from auditioning anymore. At this time, I'm broken down. And I went to Fullerton College, so I was kind of close to that area. And I had a friend that was on Team Millennium. I auditioned. I made it. I loved it. Because we were all just buds, friends. There was guys and girls and we'd rehearse till late and then we'd go to like Danny's and just, that was what I was searching for. Got involved with them. And I know you mentioned Team Millennium was on America's Best Dance Crew. Got on it, they think the year after I left the team. Okay. Yeah, I left the whole team. Loved it. It was a competition team. It got hard because it was drill, drill, drill. Do it like this and you have to be super precise. Something I never got from industry. And that's what the community will always tell you. The industry is completely different. It's how you look. That's how you put your own flavor to it, which is fine. 
But there is where I got my real training. Is your head tilted at a 45 or is it flat? Like, are your hands this way? And it was like, okay, cool. And we competed, took third, second. First year, I I kind of like loved hip hop music, loved Michael Jackson, loved pop music. What's funny was, is when I graduated high school, I said, I want a hobby. I knew I didn't really see myself finishing school. I could be a studious person, but I didn't want to do that. I took up guitar. I wanted to learn an instrument. I wanted to know how music worked. And through this whole process, I just played guitar. I played my guitar. My grandma gave me 200 bucks for graduation. I went and bought one, learned and watched uh, or looked up stuff on the internet. And while I'm dancing on Team Millennia, auditioning, going through this whole process of being a dancer, I kind of, as a person, I changed as a person. I grew my hair out, listened to a lot of heavy metal music, a lot of guitar driven music. And I think the reason I did that, I do like it. And, you know, my brother was big into heavy metal too growing up. And I just needed something to empower me. And I loved music and hip hop, but the industry soured. It soured me. And I'm like, well, if I become a musician, I could just play music and maybe I could be the star, you know, but I don't want to, I can't, I'm not a pop singer. Maybe I can play guitar in a band or something. And I embraced heavy metal music and rock and blues. And that's what made me stand aside from the other dancers, right? So whenever I didn't make an audition or didn't do what everyone else did, it's like, I don't care. Well, this is what I do. And people are like, oh, that's Chad. I never had, from that point on, I never had to be something I wasn't. You know, I always had my own identity and it kind of sucks because it was kind of forced because I'm not a fashion forward guy. You know, I'm a jeans and T-shirt guy and I couldn't pull off what was popular to book a job. You know, I went to an audition for a Pepsi commercial and they they just needed people to be in the background. The Pepsi commercial, it was Beyonce before she was Beyonce. (laughs) There was 100 people in the video, but they didn't like the way I looked. They're just standing there. You know, I'm like, well, dang, there's something wrong with me. I found myself more. I was like, this is me rebelling. I'm doing everything opposite of what the dance world is doing. I'm not the pop looking guy. I grew my hair out, dyed it black, learned guitar, invested in uh, musical equipment so I can play aggressive music. And that's how any band starts is they're rebelling or something gets to them and they just need to express themselves. Funny thing is on Team Millennium, my best friend, his name's Ty, another best friend of mine, Paul, they were on Team Millennium with me. Us three hit it off really fast because they liked hard rock music too. And they weren't just dancers. My friend Ty was an artist. He was going to major in graphics and, and art in, at Fullerton College. And my and Paul, he was a Taekwondo teacher. And he was into Taekwondo. I'm like, oh, man, these guys are cool because they have other things to talk about besides what other dancers were, were into. I had a guitar, had a drum set. I had a bass at, at my, um, I had a storage or a studio where I practiced at. It was my own studio above my parents' work. And I invited them, like, hey, come down, you know. Like, come hang out. It's just a, like a just an empty da- dance studio. And they came, and my friend Taz like, hey, do you mind if I play on the drums? I'm like, no. I was like, go for it. He just keeps up. Boom. And I'm like, okay. I put my guitar in. I just start playing my guitar. And I'm like, dude, you know, we should form a band. My best friend at the time, who's on Team Millennium with me, two weeks later goes and buys a drum kit because that drum kit was my other friends. We play and we jam. After band practice or after uh, Team Millennium practice, 
We drive to Covina where my studio was and we play till like four in the morning. We learned how to be musicians together. And the reason why we played together because we knew how to count eights or bars or fours, you know, and musician talk. We knew when each other was going to change because we know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We started writing songs and playing and listening to music there. My friend Paul came out. He's like, oh, I kind of play guitar. And I had a bass. I bought a bass. And he picks it up and just starts strumming it. And I'm like, oh, I'm in this key of A. And he just hits the A string. I'm like, hey, let's start a band. <laughs> the next year, Team Millennia, second year, we had a band. It was called The Lavish. Okay, it was a Filipino guy on bass. My friend Ty, who's this guy, he's South African. He's from Zimbabwe. Dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah. Black dude, dreadlocks, drummer. And then the typical white guy, long hair with the ear piercings on guitar. We formed a band. The funny thing was Team Millennium was like, they knew us by the lavish at this point. Like, oh, and it was kind of a funny kind of thing. And then when they realized we took it serious because we stopped hanging out after rehearsals. After rehearsals, like, bye, we're going to rehearsal. We're going to go play till whatever. We formed a band. We played gigs here and there. We played community centers. We created a band. I created a band through dance, a hard rock band, punk rock, hard rock metal band. Okay. The second year I was on Team Millennia was 06, 07. We took first in the first four, three or four competitions we did. We did Vibe, which is still around, Mm -hmm. Fusion. It was either, we did a a competition in Vegas. I can't remember. I think it was like Battleground, something. We took first. We did a set, and people still talk about it to this day. It's called the Carnival Set. What it was, I was the ringleader, and we had the bearded lady. We had the baton twirler. We had the puppet part, like anything that would en- encompass a circus or something. And all of our songs had something to do with it. We did the, sh- the song Freak Show. Was that the Barcase? Barcase, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Freak Show Baby on the Dance Floor was our closer, right? And Danny Batsamana, who who heads Team Millennia organization, and Jed Florano, who's still part of the dance community. He still teaches at Movement Lifestyle and stuff. He was our artistic director at the time. And they're like, we want to do this circus set. And I'm like, you know what? You should have me You should have me come play guitar in the set somewhere. And they're like, oh, okay. In the music? I'm like, no, like live. And they're like, okay, all right, all right. Because the year before, I actually recorded a track on guitar and we danced to it, but I recorded it. They kind of laughed and entertained the idea. That weekend, I went home. My, my best friend, John, he had a little recording program like what we're recording now. I said, can you pull up the Freak Show MP3 and I'm gonna plug my guitar in and put a wham pedal on it. So we plugged into this computer. I played Freak Show and I just started soloing on my guitar with a little wham pedal, you know, and then the melody's like, and I'm like, wow, wow, wow. So I'm, I do maybe like eight, eight counts. We record it, cut it, and I had 30 seconds of this. I go to rehearsal the next time, the next day, and I say, hey, Danny, check this out. Played it for him. He goes, okay. I'm like, think about it. The next time we rehearse, we have a full-on guitar, live guitar solo set to be in this piece. So for Vibe, my first time ever, not first time ever, but playing in front of a crowd of thousands of people, playing guitar was through Team Millennia. I had a wireless pack that was connected to my amplifier that my friend bought that we told production, put a mic on it. We brought my own mics, everything. When that ending closer happened, freak show of our circus set, I came out as a ringleader with a guitar, okay? And I played live. And we had these platforms and I got to stand on this platform in the middle and everyone's dancing and then the baton twirler throws up her baton and I go, and I'm hitting these, these notes and just soloing. I can't even remember if it was even good, but the crowd, was like, what? No one's ever done that. Keep in mind, No America's Best Dance Crew, there's still a community that the industry knows nothing about. After that year, I said, you know what? I'm gonna stop dancing, I wanna pursue music. I wanna entertain through music. 
that's where I got the bug, the official bug. You know, I actually saw a concert at the Brent Center where we danced, and I go, that could be me. There goes phase, I guess, two or three of my life, musician life. So Team Millennia, as you hear, like put me up to my band performance with my guitar, and they gave me dance training too, and really good friends. We all stopped Team Millennia, Paul and Ty, and we formed a band, and for the next four years, I taught dance on the side at studios, taught kids to adults, and tried to pursue music, tried to be an original band. We were called The Lavish. I'm sure you can YouTube some videos or pull it up (laughs) somewhere. And people didn't really believe it until they saw us at the show. We would play, we played the Whiskey A Go-Go tons of times. We were actually on a first name basis with the, um, not manager, but the, the booking agent or person that books there. And we played Fullerton. We played the Sly Bar. We played actually in a handful of backyard parties, you know, and we recorded a demo. We found people that were w- willing to record us in Burbank. We recorded at a studio. We we made it a demo. We did all that. And that's what our, that's what my entertainment bug was. I wanted to play live. I wanted to create music. Four years pushing music, just teaching dance. No training, no nothing. All my friends took off. Phase two of this story. Next thing you know, America's Best Dance Crew comes on. I'm like, what? You know, like, <laughs> what's that? You got Kaba Modern, the Jabberwockies, Team Millennia, all these groups that were in our community that danced in the same shows I danced in. Put up on the big screen, put up on MTV. I'm like, oh man, I really hope that this is taken serious. Obviously, it did get taken very serious. To see my old dance team up there was like, great. It was great, but I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. Jabberwockies, they performed tons of shows they were not what they are then they just did it they just showed up and everyone knew who each person was even though they were in mass when they took that show and blew up a little bit of the community was like that's our group they're from our community if and then kids i had more enrollment in my dance classes because kids wanted to start their own dance crews they wanted to be in America's Best Dance Crew, they wanted to be the Jabberwockies, they wanted to be Cabo Modern, they wanted to be whoever. And going in my head, I'm going, well, I'm doing music, I like it, it's struggle, but I'm still teaching dance, and I'm seeing all my friends come up through the ranks. And I'm not too sure if it's going to hit. Yes, it hits. Blows up. And my students are looking at me like, well, well, I want to do that. Even students were pushing forward, creating crews. America's Best Dance Crew, season two, YouTube blows up. I tell myself it's time for me to figure out what I'm going to do. My parents ended up losing the building that I had a studio at. So I didn't have a rehearsal space anymore. Um, rent got too high. And this happened around 2008 with the crash and everything with, you know, with the economy and everything. My parents had this big store, had to shut it down. We had to move. My band literally just, we finished recording and we were working on an album we were paying for. We disbanded because we had no place to practice. Stuff happened. And I said, well, let me go back to dance. I'll dance and train and why not? I slowly cut off my hair, slowly sold my gear and just banked on the fact, well, if these people are doing it, I can do it. And if I just focus this time, went to the gym, got really good shape to try to be a dancer. My good friend, Nicole Higgins, and she always appreciated me wanting to be a musician and because she wants to do it too. She's still to this day and we're still working on that. She's like, I'm not into that music that what you guys do, but I love watching you guys play. You guys had some, you had a niche. You guys knew how to write songs, whether they were radio playable, but you guys did it. She's like, but you still should dance. I go, I'm ready. Year after year, ask me, come dance. dance." This time, she's director of Breed. This is 2011, going into 12. I audition. She's on the board, obviously, and no one knew me. All these new dancers, only people I knew 
was Alan Pizarro, and I met him once or twice in 2007. Nicole, who hasn't seen me dance in years, and a couple other people. I auditioned. I felt good. There was probably 100 people at the audition. It was it was at Utopia, and I showed up really early. I was like number two. Did the audition and felt good about it. And then as everyone's leaving and exiting, everyone's all sweaty. People are coming up to me like, dude, you're Chad from Team Millennium, right? I go, yeah, like you played guitar, right? I'm like, yeah, you, you remember that? Yeah, I was on TM Juniors or I was on Pac Modern. I was on Kaba or I was I was still in high school when I saw that show. I'm like, dang, that was four years ago. Yeah, but that sh- set still holds up. And it was something that was done and no one ever tried to do again. No one could do. And I go, oh man, that's cool. People still remember me. Maybe that'll help me out getting on Breed. Because if I don't make Breed, then what am I going to do? You know, at this time I'm what, 20 seven i'm kind of old at this point older i'm <laughs> no in dance years yes i understand you know what i'm saying exactly so make the team super excited super thrilled because now i have something new in my life and i gotta tell myself i gotta focus on dance because i'm good at that and i never had the struggle with getting dance a backup as i did with music because music is everybody's a musician and in dance not everyone's a dancer and the community's smaller so it's more support it's hard to be a dancer but there's more support there get on the team train with the team make new friends start working with nicole again start working with elm pizarro growing up in the ranks he created boogie zone and he was the first facebook he was the first myspace of dance straight up and to be part of the company was was really important to me started training again yes i was rusty Yes, I wasn't what I thought I was going to be when I joined the team, but that's okay. But I worked hard and trained again, and the music thing just fizzled out because I needed to go where I could make money or prosper. Took dance more serious. Here comes Orange County High School of the Arts. I always had students that were... I'd train and then they'd go there for high school and I'm like, man, I should teach. They're like, yeah, well, hip hop's not very big and sometimes we have this person, that person, but they kind of come and they go. I'm like, well, if I was there, I would be there all the time. I mean, I would teach it. I think Ricky Cole actually would go sub sometimes. My friend Mikey Tresaurus started teaching there who was really good friends with Twitch. And this was before Twitch blew up too. That was kind of his click. I'm like, all right, well, let me go to your guys' show. I went to their my students dance shows and I would print up a resume and hand it to the dance director. Oh, my name is Chad Moreau. I teach hip hop. He's like, Oh, okay. And I just hand it to him. And I go to like probably three shows and I handed the same resume, maybe added something to it. I go, I need to line up my dance, take it more serious, get established at this. So I need to teach somewhere prestigious. He calls me the Jim Kolb, who's a director. He goes, Hey, we need a sub. Can you make it? I'm like, dang, when tonight or the next day something like that and I go I can't I'm teaching I can't and he's like okay well maybe come in for an interview for maybe next year maybe yeah sure I'm teaching at this other studio in Corona it goes bankrupt and I was teaching 10 12 classes there a week that was my main income so I'm training again I got rid of the music kind of thing to focus maybe this OSHA thing will pick up I don't know getting things was a little bit before I joined Breed I'm like and I'm going to do Breed Hopefully. So join Breed, got OSHA. I only taught two classes at OSHA at the time. When I joined Breed, everyone's like, oh, you teach at OSHA? That's a big deal. Yeah, it was. That studio fell by the wayside, but it kind of allowed more time for me to train. OSHA, the other teacher, decided to leave. And then I got all five groups. So it was like my first year, I had two classes. I had group three and four or four and, four and six or something like that, which is like juniors and like sophomores. Next year, I had... 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, had all the groups, which is a big deal. Funny thing is, 
I'm at Utopia rehearsing. The guy that used to teach there, his name is Mikey, was teaching masterclass in the next room while I was rehearsing with my group, Nobility Mo. He's like, oh, what's up, what's up? And I never really met him officially. And I was like, yo, man, what happened with OSHA, bro? Because I know his face and he knows my face. He's like, well, I've been trying to get out of there for a while, but I never left because they were never getting really real good hip hop or like technique of hip hop choreography. But then when you came and I saw your material, I was like, okay, they're in good hands. So I feel like I can peace out. And I go, wow, for not ever meeting this guy. And you know, it's competitive too. I was like, that's nice, dude. Thank you. And we're here. And he's telling me this in front of like Elm and and my buddies and and my company. And I'm like, dang, that was one of those moments where I'm like, everything's clicking back. So I'm on breed. I have all the groups at Ocean now, a couple other studios, or I'm teaching at some other studios. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm getting back to where I need to be. Maybe I should have done this earlier, but I needed to go through that point in my life. So I had my own choreography. It wasn't what Elm was doing or what what the community was doing because I was not that I was dated, but I was dated in my vision. So I'm like, well, there was an opportunity to do some shows. And I asked some guys on Breed. I'm like, I mean, they don't they know me and they're cool to me. But what makes them going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll go do this piece with Chad. Handful. I'm like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, went and did this show for a collective youth and got a good response. And then I just kind of put out some flyers like, oh, I have this group Nobility Mob and slash Nomo. And I love nobility. I love the um, Middle Ages. And then the mob, like, I'm, you know, I love the gangster movies. And I figured that's a cool name. It literally just came together like that. And then people took it serious. We did some other shows and I became best friends with these guys. Pretty soon to where rehearsal was just us hanging out. So I got Nomo. And then I'm dancing with Breed and I'm teaching at OSHA on top of the other studios that I'm at. This is great. I'm getting back into the community and I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm choreographing for my group, training with Breed. And then, you know, there's an opportunity for me to choreograph for Breed and set a piece for them. And I showed them and I got to choreograph for Breed, which is, this is all within my first year of Breed. You know, technically a freshman, but no one looked at me like that because they know that I had some background and I've been around. So this is great. This is cool. My life is flipping for the better on that side of things. Meanwhile, I still had girlfriend, my family. I didn't see them anymore. I had to drive all the way out to rehearsals. I never said no to any projects because I wanted to just douse myself and dance, do everything because I felt like I missed so much in the last four years. So I'm dealing with that. And then I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm running out of money because I'm at every rehearsal and in the dance world, you don't really get paid sometimes at all or if any but it's all about the exposure and if anybody's listening to this that's a dancer and and someone wants to hire you to for exposure well we can't pay you but you'll get the exposure that's stupid we put our bodies through way too much because dancing it's hard people like oh dancers they're athletes yeah they're athletes i consider us athletes i more or less consider us like superheroes is that yeah because we're able to do a lot of stuff. Athletes play a game. We're not playing a game. They are involved with a sport. I wouldn't consider it a sport. You know, it, it's like a bodybuilder. I mean, is bodybuilding a sport? I guess. <laughs> no, they're training to be physically fit in a certain way, just like us. It's just entertainers in general. You know, we, it's our art, put it out there and nothing should be free unless it's something you really want to do. No, because if it was so easy, for you to just hire a dancer or an actor or a singer and not pay them, well then, why don't you do it? Yeah. You can't, you know what I'm saying? So going back to that is, when I got back into it, I knew I would have to do a lot of stuff for free and whatever, whatever, hence going to rehearsals and running out of money 
And I go, well, I still have some band equipment left. I still have a PA. And I said, well, DJing's kind of big right now. And I have tons of music because I teach. And I can't remember, one of my parents that took my classes i had an adult class and, and she's like do you know any djs or like i love all the music you play i wish you were a dj or something oh wow uh, yeah <laughs> and i'm like well i used to dj in high school did turntables and you know i was the hip-hop kid that's 2000 2000 2001 now we're 2012 i'm like well i know djing's a lot easier now you know you just use your laptop i had a laptop let me invest I go to Guitar Center. I'm like, how can I play some music? Like, do you have a PA? Yeah, for my band. Okay, bought a little setup, went and DJed my students slash friends party. They love the music. I collected music from anything from disco to 80s because I'm a music head and did a good job. And they paid me. And I'm like, man, this extra 300 bucks really helped me, right? And on top of that, I got $20 tip. That's gas. I go, you know what? Why don't I try to dj so being involved with the dance community being so supportive well i was like hey i'm a dj i can dj if anybody needs one like oh okay that's cool and you know and i would post some pictures here and there and i got into that and you know learned about the new culture of djing and i'm like dang with technology all you gotta do is just press a button back in the day i would have to like count the record or find the point you know like or even with the cds it was like i had to burn all these cds now djs are just putting in the thumb drive and playing those songs (laughs) i go well i'm from the old school this has got to be easy so what i do is collect my music invest in more dj equipment put it out there that i'm a dj for that first year i think it's 2012 i probably make I make a decent amount of money just doing small gigs saying that I'm a DJ. I go, you know what? I'm going to be 20, uh, 28. Why don't I start a business? How do you do that? My best friend at the time, he was out of work and he used to work at Guitar Center. He was the one that sold me all my guitars. He was the one that put me in debt. Not really, but you know, he, I bought all my equipment and he was also our sound guy and our manager for our band. We were all in this together and he had no work. We had no band. And I'm like, hey, I want to start a DJ business you want to do it with me. He's like, okay. I was like, let me sell you on this. I'm trying to sell to my best friend, okay? And you shouldn't have to, but at the same time, I needed him to know that I'm serious and I wanted him to know that we can do this. Then what happens? We start a business. We think of a name, Live to DJ, which is my business. We sat there, we're like, uh, you know, we wrote over a hundred notepads. And it's funny because we're sitting there in my parents' new studio, new office, which is third of the size in our own little off my parents let me have a little office area to keep any extra storage equipment or if I ever needed to dance maybe I could put up a mirror and just put it on the wall because they still wanted to support me that way and I'm looking at all our drawings and I'm looking at my computer and I have like my nobility mob music up and then I'm looking read we did a show in Riverside they made us a banner and I took the banner and I put it on the wall and I'm with my best friend and I my guitar equipment's all spaced out in the room and I'm kind of did like a full circle thing and I'm like dang through dancing I became a musician I'm becoming a DJ I'm starting a business that's not just me as an entity like Chad Moreau dancer choreographer a business with somebody else my best friend we're creating graphics I'm looking at footage from rehearsal because I have to put together this show or this piece for my company that I created it made me go Dang, this is what it's about. And I realized this two years ago, just barely. I just turned turned 30 in September, two months ago. And 
and hence why this podcast is awesome because you have your trials, tribulations, but the thing is as with one artistic mindset or one vision or maybe a spark, you can create a whirlwind of craziness. You really you really can. You sit down and I feel like a lot of not just dancers but artists, people that they tap that part of their brain more than the other part they don't stop and smell the roses they look at what they haven't done they don't look at what they have done and i did the same thing but that was that moment where i'm creating a business name and i look up and i have all this stuff that i've accomplished since i decided i wanted to be a dancer okay and now i'm doing so much more i'm teaching at a school for performing arts oh my god i didn't get my degree i learned how to dance from watching michael jackson and breaking a cardboard box in my garage taking and then that went to where i'm at now and i'm flying to washington with my company because my boss at osha was like hey you have a dance company and i remember this day i went to audition for agency i went to audition for block agency and it was out in the um, burbank and i'm there with uh one of my best friends, Rob, and we do the audition and we don't make it, but we go to eat. I was posting some Nomo stuff on Facebook strategically, nothing crazy, just to kind of create a little buzz. My boss calls me from OSHA. Chad, you have a company? I go, in my head, I'm telling myself, I guess, <laughs> but I go, yeah, a company, like a dance company? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's all guys. He's like, can I connect you to this guy that I worked with? He throws a, a dance arts fe- festival in Washington. Yeah, sure. And then I'm with my friend Rob. I'm like, hey, we might have a gig in Washington. Ha ha. Right? I get a call from this guy, John Pasifumi, based out of the East Coast. He calls me and he's got this nice, calm voice. And he's like, hi, Chad. Um, I got your number from uh, Jim Kolb and da da da. And I hear you have a, a hip hop dance company. And I'm like, oh. And it's like, Early in the morning, I'm like groggy. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I do. Yes. And tell me something about your uh, you guys. And um, what's the name of the company? I said, oh. And in my head, I'm like, oh, this sounds so adolescent. We're the nobility mob. You know, like, I go, well, um, um, we're called nobility mob. He's like, oh, really? That's interesting. And he's, t- and I was like, well, uh, what are you guys about? And, and, and I made it up on the spot and created the vision that I kind of had in the first place, I go, well, nobility is, there's not a lot of gallant masculine movement in dance. So that's kind of what we want to do. And the mob is just kind of um, what kind of ties us together is we just kind of mob wherever we need to go to make something happen. It's almost like a oxymoron. Like there's some beauty to it, but at the same time, you're still going to get that rawness to it. And he's like, I love that. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh my God, I'm glad that I'm making myself sound legit. So John Pasifumi says, okay, send me some footage. We did a show, and it's from a phone from the corner. It's like, cool. Flies us out to Washington, me and um, four of my buddies for our group. And I'm like, dang, I created this group literally maybe six months ago, and we're flying to Washington to perform. We do the show. A lot of stuff happened. One of our guys missed a flight. One guy came late. One guy got sick. And this guy, John, is like, these guys are trouble. They have not been nothing but trouble. And we did tech. We didn't have one of the guys. And one of the guys was sick. He had to go back to the room. And it's just us. And I'm like, oh, my God. I could just feel his eyes burning through us at this tech show. And he's like, yeah, well, hopefully it's better tomorrow when everyone's here. And it's kind of like, oh, man. Next day, everyone regroups. We rehearse all day for the show. We did the show. Got a great response. We walked off stage, went down our dressing room because we were kind of secluded. He didn't want us with the other dancers because... There was a youth program. A lot of them had to change, and he had a lot of legality stuff, like there's a lot of underage or whatever. And so we were kind of like in our own little dungeon. 
He comes down and is like, guys, get ready. I need you to come upstairs ASAP. We go, come up out of the dungeon. And we go and we take some pictures behind the curtains with the companies. And he's like, thank you guys, blah, blah, blah. We go out into the audience. These people from Walla Walla, Washington. It's not a made up place, people. It's a real place. <laughs> They're standing there. They bum rush us like we were, you know, whoever. And I'm looking around like, did we pull it off? Long story short is, even though you create something very small and it's maybe just a, a small dumb idea or it's something that spun off something else, if you put a little bit of effort into it and you put below a little bit of life into it, you can fly somewhere, make a small town so happy. And that was the other moment where I said, I'm becoming a renaissance slash entrepreneur because I created something and went through with something. For once and was successful. I have a business where actually when I fly, I have to fly back early because I, I have to be at a recital for my kids for the 12 classes that I teach. And then that weekend I'm DJing a wedding or uh, whatever party it was. And I'm like, look at what I'm doing. I'm, I created this. I created my lifestyle. So going back to what I put together in my head before we started talking was, okay, dance. Yeah, put me up. But a lot of dancers... They're only dancers, and that's not fair. They shouldn't think that way. They need to realize that they're not. And you talked about Tyler. Yes. Tyler, okay. Yeah, Tyler Quartelli. Tyler Quartelli. He's Italian. Okay. All right, so, and he had a lot of other things that he offered besides dance. And every dance friend I know has crazy abilities, but they only push dance. And I go, why don't you do that? Well, it's not my passion. Well, you know, you barely did it. And you got a success from it. Okay, either don't make it or either make it a passion or make it a source of income or do it for fun. Do something. And the biggest, biggest thing I could say to my friends or anyone in the podcast or advice is you're a talented person and you've put it out there and people are giving you response back. Whenever you have another idea, hey, people liked what you did with this. Maybe they're going to like that. People that aren't very artistic, they're very by the book or they're, they're very clean and structured. That's okay too. I'm not the most organized. I li- I am strictly organized chaos. And I admit to that all day. <laughs> most entrepreneurs are actually. So. Well, yeah. And that's funny because my business partner, John, even when we wrap our cords from a gig, he'll get so mad because I just throw it in there. And I know where everything is. Like, no, you have to wrap it. Or even when we balance our checkbook. Oh my gosh, we have a checkbook. Okay. We balance a checkbook, you know, he's like that. And I'm like this and it works. A lot of dancers, artists in general, they get very discouraged by the fact that they have to not be artistic. You know what I'm saying? So what they'll do is, and I, and I know this cause this is how I am. I want to create this choreography and then I want to, I want to create choreography and I want to create a logo for whatever I'm doing at the time. But I know I have to do some admin stuff. I got to go on Facebook and I have to create a bio. Oh my gosh. It takes me forever to write because I'm not It'll take me an hour to write a paragraph. I did a show and they needed a hundred and something words. It took me two hours. Like I said, that's my struggle. But to choreograph a piece and that took me 30 minutes on the drive in my head. So don't be afraid to put in the work that you don't want to do or that you're not good at. You have to put in the work, okay? Or maybe if you have a friend or someone that can do it for you or help you out, do that. Because you cannot get by on only your talent, okay? And especially this day and age, You can push your talent so far by a tweet, by Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube. YouTube has created billions of dollars and just in YouTube, let alone sparking billions of dollars on Justin Bieber or whoever. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
You need to learn to edit a video if you're an artist, okay? You need to learn to edit audio for your podcast, you you know, because with this day and age, this is the blessing is it allows you to do it independently. You don't need a crew. You go on, <laughs> it's funny, it's full circle. I learned how to create a video on YouTube. It told me how to edit a video, okay? And I did it. It wasn't the greatest, but I did it. And that video, it might've got me a foot closer to what I needed to do, but I never took a step back. And then the next time I did it, I got better at it. And that's with anything. So with dancers, for sure, because I'm a dancer, don't limit your talent. You're not just a dancer. You're not just a choreographer because that's your biggest enemy. You want something so bad and you focus so bad on it, it creates an explosion and it tears it apart for you. And you, you will hear this time and time again. Allow yourself peace of mind. Get away from dance. Do something else that's creative or just do something fun. Go to the beach. Did a master class. It was like a workshop with Wade Robson back. I was a senior in high school. It was an all day thing. I was so excited. We had to wait in line. And they're like, hey, Wade. What do you do to get inspired? You know, you're so amazing. He's like, like, how do you get better at dance? He's like, and I'll never forget this. He goes, he goes, um, I don't do anything. Well, what do you mean? How, how do you? I was like, I, I don't, I'm not in the studio. I go to the beach. I go to the movies with my friends, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. And that's what I'll do. And if you do everything right, and if you become an entrepreneur, you want to create business for yourself through the arts. Or anything. If you have 10 things going on, there's always going to be one thing to pull you away from the other. So when you do this, like for me, DJing. DJing kind of found me again because it's very popular and I'm a dancer. I know what music people like to dance to. So when I dance and I rehearse and I choreograph and I put this set together, it took me so long. Or you came to, um, we did this thing called the Speakeasy at the studio here. And it took up a lot of time. And being an artistic director of Breed, I had a big role in, in a lot of stuff. When that was done, I wanted nothing to do with dancing. I needed a break. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. No, I needed, wow. a, I needed a break. I wanted nothing. To, I needed my own time. But I already had all this stuff. I had to do these. I was doing a wedding and then a homecoming for, for DJing for my business. And then some club events that I got hired to do. And when I put my mind on, on the music to to get ready or for these gigs, I would listen to these songs and then I'd get inspired. Like I'd dance to them. And then when I have to come teach class, I had new music to teach to. And things back and forth should inspire you or make you want to not do that and to do something else. So in my life, music and dance, I made that my life. Dancing is the, I, I would say music is my, music is my heart. It pumps and dance is my blood. The blood dancing is pumping through my body and has allowed me to do everything else. But the music, or it might be the other way around. The music keeps me going because I love music and I love a groove and I love musicality and I love creating it, mixing it, playing guitar, writing a song, whatever it is. When you find yourself stressed out and you find yourself knee deep in so much craziness, look at it like, dang, look what I did. Make it work. The people I look up to are the ones that I have 20 minutes to talk. 20 minutes? What do you mean? Well, because I have to make another phone call after that. And then I have a meeting. I'm like, you know, I never understood those people that had meetings at Starbucks. <laughs> I never did. I'm like, what? A meeting? Just me, like, just send an email or now I get it. You know, I have meetings. I need to meet with a client. They want to tell me about their music for their wedding. Okay. Then I have 20 minutes to talk to someone to book something or whatever before I go to class. You know, I'm like, Dang, I'm one of those people that I thought they were all, you know, a mess. As an entrepreneur, you have to be particular about your time. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So, like I said, I'm I'm excited 
doing this podcast because then it kind of lets me slow down and be like, dang, yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that. And also, I feel like I have some advice to give out. And yeah, I'm a young entrepreneur in no way, shape, or form am I a millionaire. But I'll tell you what, I'm pretty happy. I think that's the biggest key because there's so many people that do things specifically just for the money. And it goes far beyond that, especially being an artist. Mm -hmm. There's so much more meaning in what you do. And just, it's really cool because, you know, we had some questions prepared. But Mm -hmm. in the process of you telling your story, there's so many nuggets of things that people can take away from without me even asking. I mean, you've covered quite a bit of incredible principles that... I think it's just really important people understand that they just they have to go for it. They have to put the work in. They have to sit back and reassess, Okay, what is it that I really want to do? What's working? What hasn't worked? What do I have to pull away from? Mm -hmm. How am I going to find my passion again for whatever it is, whether it's music, dance or. And I I think so many people are so focused on, Okay, I got to like you were saying, I got to get this next job or Mm -hmm. I got to get in this video Mm -hmm. or as opposed to, okay, what is it that's going to make me happy? And how do I, you know, set a goal to accomplish whatever? So I really appreciate you going through all that because there's there's so many lessons. And I not just so you guys know, I knew the questions ahead of time. (laughs) And I thought about putting this all together and making it seamless without (laughs) without it being broken up by questions. So it did help knowing ahead of time what you what you wanted to ask or it's not just full circle with what you're doing. It's just when you talk and everything should just make sense. Everything should fall into place like, well, this is how I did it. And this is what happened. And that's really the story. And I mean, you know, for me, um, like I love the biography channel and and there's a lot of artists that I like, not just their products, but how they became to do what they do, the behind the musics. And like I said, the biography stuff and history channel stuff. And I'm like, they became this person on a whim at the same time. They had to go through hell and back to get to that win. That's true. So yeah, it's this is great. I'm I'm glad that you asked me to do this, and I'm I hope it helps. And I know it'll help. It'll help me because I'm I've taken back to it a little bit talking about it, and and it makes me excited to even take on the. I still have tons of stuff I have to do. Like when I leave here, I, I have I've set up other stuff, and it's cool to be like, hey, I did this interview about who who I am and what I did, and it's still going. It's not yes. like, hey, I sat back and, you know, like I said, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm happy because I'm busy and I'm surrounded by stuff that I truly love. And, and everything I- that you do fuels you, like you said. It's cool because I had, like I said, I had these questions prepared for Chad, but <laughs> he went above and beyond. Sorry. So, I'm so No, I'm so <laughs> thankful because he touched on things that I didn't even think about and just some of the quotable things. Chad, hopefully I can have you back again. <laughs> yeah, I know you have a lot of other stuff going on. And, you know, we'll like to see the next phase of your business and right. what's going on, because I know you have a lot of things that work. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? OK, my Facebook, it's Chad, C-H-A-D-D. The double D is is my real name, C-H-A-D-D. Moreau, M-O-R-E-A-U. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram. My Instagram is Chad, C-H-A-D-D. Daddy, D-A-D-D-Y, a nickname that I got through dance, actually, because of the cat daddy. And they're like, oh, it's ins-, and I would do it. And they'd be like, oh, it's the Chad daddy. And now it's my DJ name. And I have it as a trademark now, which is funny because, like I said, dance has just given me so much. So Chad daddy, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Chad Moreau. My website is live, L-I-V-E, number two, live to DJ, DJ. That's my business. Looking for any kind of mobile DJ, club event DJ, or custom mix. I do mixes as well. You might hear a track before this podcast (laughs) 
for Annette. I did that for her. So I edit music as well. And um, so live to DJ.com or live to DJ at Facebook, Chad Moreau Facebook, Chad Daddy Instagram and Twitter. And also Chad Moreau, no space at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me if you tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I may not be really worldwide, but it feels like it sometimes. And uh, oh, my, my YouTube channel is just can't remember now. It's Chad. Oh, it's yeah, I think you just go in Chad Moreau. Yeah, do a, yeah, do a search on YouTube for Chad Moreau. Yeah. A bunch of stuff. Look him up and you guys will be really impressed with what he does. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed and learned a few things from my conversation with Chad. And now I have a question for you. Is there a passion that you're pursuing or that you've pursued in the past that has helped you in your life? And how has that helped? Or how is it helping you now? I would love to get your feedback at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 004, where you'll also find the show notes to this session. And I would love it and really appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and that will help get the word out about this podcast. Coming up next week on the Dance Printering Studio, I go over seven ways that you are putting conditions on your success. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.